Hello and welcome to Backing Paper, issue number 65 for another week of emaily goodness. Joining me on this week's show, it is the one and only, thank goodness, Matthew Joseph over in Australia. Matthew, how are you? Yeah, I'm good. I'm 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 doing well. I'm okay. I'm alive. I don't have coronavirus, so don't be afraid everyone of catching it from the from the download. <laughs> um yeah, so people the, don't need to put on masks to listen to this podcast. Well, they probably should, but not for listening to the podcast. No, earplugs maybe, not necessarily masks. Um, yeah. Matthew, stepping in valiantly because Rachel is shattered tonight. We spoke to her briefly and she sounded a bit broken, bless her. Um, mm-hmm. So we've given her the night off uh, to rest and recuperate because you've got another busy week coming up. And, of course, the photography show at the end of that week. Um Matthew has been helping me with the preparations for that, haven't you, Matthew? We might talk. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about that a bit later. We don't spoil too much oh, stuff, do we? Spoiler alert. Yeah, but but Matthew's been helping, so that should either get people excited or terrified. Both responses. Yeah. It's a bit like the coronavirus. Actually, I don't think anybody's excited about the coronavirus. So I'm just worried. Um, we have got a great selection of emails this week, haven't we? You've been reading through them. Yes. I've been yeah. having a, a little squiz, squizzo. Uh, and have you been practicing your reading skills? Because you know <laughs> there have been issues in the past. Um. Yes, I have been practicing. Well, you know, I read letters for a living. That's my job. But um, not out loud. They government. Yeah, out loud. Yeah, I read them <laughs> out loud to people. But they're government. They're letters from the government. So you know. You're the good news fairy, aren't you? At work, <laughs> dear such and yeah, such, some- you can no longer drive your car. <laughs> <laughs> yeah sometimes that's sometimes probably, that's the that's the not nice part of my job yeah i'm going out there making old people unhappy again much like the coronavirus um anyway yeah. matthew how have you been before we dive into emails how have you been yeah i've been good i'm fine i've been um enjoying uh fp4 party this mm-hmm. last week uh my first my first fp4 party i went and bought some film from a local, not a local shop, but a shop in the CBD of Melbourne the other day, so I could join in on the on the party and um, put it in the Voigtlander with a twelve mil lens and yeah, shooting ultra wide stuff. Very nice. Which Voigtlander and, uh, have you got? A, a Besser L, so oh, the most nice. basic. That's nice. Does the it most have, basic. Does, is that the one that doesn't even have a viewfinder on it? No, no viewfinder. Just. Uh, just a meter and a place to put your lens and some dials and buttons, and that's it. So when you're shooting super wide, did you even bother putting an external viewfinder on, or are you just like, no, everything's yeah. going to be in? Yeah, I do, yeah, because it, it's, it's all about you've got to get over your perceived fear of getting closer to stuff, so mm-hmm. it's good to know how close you should get. Well, at the other end of the sort of uh, scale, and I have also been um, shooting some FP4 this week. Uh, I haven't got mm. quite the way through the entire roll, but that's because I've been working all week and so it's been trying to grab stuff around the edge. And I have been shooting with the um, Nikon F301 uh, and the um, Takina, I think it's a 28 to 80 zoom lens. Um, so okay. uh, Alex Purcell, who very kindly gave me that camera, um, he said, listen, you can have this camera on, on the understanding that you have to get use this lens that i got with it um and zoom lenses 
are never popular um, with mm. with anybody really. Nobody does like. Oh, but I've been having some fun with it because the one thing about zoom lenses yeah. is they're often quite good at focusing pretty close on stuff. So I've been having some fun with it. I'm going to try and finish yeah, nice. up that role this week and see what that's like. But yeah, it's just nice to get on, have an excuse to do some shooting. Um, anything else you've been up to? Um, I developed my first role of colour film. Yeah, yeah, uh, congratulations. About a week ago. That was uh, that was fun. Wasn't as difficult or uh, scary as I thought it would be. It was a um it was actually my last role of Riala, one twenty Riala, and mm-hmm. I developed it myself. I um used the Cine Still um powder kit, got mm-hmm. my two Got my uh, two baths ready. I bought a um, a sous vide to keep everything warm and a big pot from IKEA, and um, yeah, developed it. So that was uh, you know last year for me was the year of um, large format, and this year is going to be uh, hopefully a, a color a color year for me because last year was very very much black and white. Color large format. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And I, you know, that's that's exactly why I got it. Um, yeah, because I had no idea the film was so expensive. Like, mm. I know it's large format, but you know, like black and white seems justifiable. But geez, color is 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 a bit out there. Yeah. Um, especially when you only get ten sheets in a box, which you can get, you know, fifty sheets for black and white. Yeah, it it is five times the price, I guess. Yeah, that is the one problem that whilst I mean black and white film does range in price, but there are some cheap options so you can at least kind of dip your toe in and go, okay, I'm not spending too much on this per sheet. Yeah. But yeah, there aren't there aren't any cheap film out there for color. It's yeah. um, you know it's kind and, of portrait. And there's basically two and there's basically two flavors: portrait four hundred and portrait one sixty. I yeah. can actually I can see why. Um, Eric does what he does with older color large format films. It makes makes sense to me now. Yeah, yeah. We know what you need to get into. Talking of Eric and their most recent podcast, you need to have a go at doing that. Um, was it Trichromate? Tri Trica? I can't even remember what it was. I listened to the show, but basically that um, technique where you shoot the same scene three times on black and white and use a red, a green, and a blue filter, and then put it all together yeah. in. Did uh, just do that? Just yeah, that. well, yeah. shooting handheld with a camera dactyl, maybe not. Okay, yeah, you're right. You're right. That does make things <laughs> a little bit more tricky. Be interesting. Get some nice halo effects, possibly when they don't overlap. Yeah, yeah, that's true. But um, no, I, um, I've, I've only shot a couple of sheets of color film through four by five, and uh, that was very early on because there happened to be in the camera in Ronald, my um, old big heavy four by five camera. When I Ronald him, the monorail. Ronald the monorail. Mono, that's hard to say. I thought it was going to be. Um, it came with some film holders, which was great. And I realised after opening up the first one that they still had film in them. Um, it turns cool. out that that was colour film. So, uh, you know, obviously I shot a few, um, shot a few pictures with it. But at that time, I was still figuring out how to develop it, and they kind of they were all a bit trash because the developing didn't work out properly, and the um, the technique that I was using for doing it marked sheets and stuff. But you know, it was a good learning, <laughs> good learning sheets anyway. Um, I have actually got, I've still got some portrait 
that came mm. again with Ronald. So this is some old portrait, um, yeah. which I need to have a go with. It also came with a few sheets of Delta 100. And I did go to use some of that Delta 100 um, and it's loaded into my film holders now. Um, it was stuck together like a solid brick. <laughs> I had to bend it and flex it to peel it apart. <laughs> so I'm yeah. not sure. I'm not sure it's going to be great. But, you know, you never know. Maybe it will be fine. Maybe. Hey, could be the next big, it could be the next big film effect. It could be. As I tell you something, okay, um, talking about film effects, that, and obviously I haven't seen the results from this yet, um, but we're always out there shooting with prime lenses and having fun. Uh, and mm. because I was out with this um, Nikon with the zoom lens on it, I thought, you know what I haven't done in a very long time? I'm going to do some zoom no. blast shots. Hell oh. yeah. Hell yeah. Oh, so black and white zoom burst shots. So for anybody who doesn't know what I'm referring to when I say zoom burst, that's essentially when you um, get an exposure situation where you can make for sort of a one second long exposure. And then uh, you take the picture and zoom in or zoom out whilst not moving otherwise um, and uh, see what happens. <laughs> I'll, I'll keep... I thought you were going to say freelancing for a minute. Well, not with a zoom lens. Ooh, Come on now. Free, free lens, free lens zooming. Free lens zooming. I don't think I have enough hands for that. Um, but yeah, these things are, are sure? fun to try. Yeah, I took. I have a picture that I took years and years ago on digital. Many, many years ago on digital. That was um, a zoom lens shot. I'm like, I quite because it can give some pretty funky effects. Um, so we'll yeah. see. I'll let you know if they come out bearable. You're gonna do camera. You're going to do camera tossing next? You're going to bring back that one? Uh, no, I'm not going to do that, especially not with a fairly heavy Nikon with a fairly heavy lens on it. <laughs> I, I will end up hurting myself or others, yeah. or most likely the camera. That used to be my favourite thing to do, is look at the camera tossing photos and see what model camera they're chucking in the air. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. I think yeah. you you always have to be wary when you're joining a collective whose group now is basically a bunch of tossers. I think that should be a warning sign too. <laughs> Uh, right, shall we dig into Anywho. these? <laughs> shall we dig into these emails, Matthew? Do you want to take this oh, first one from the delight that is Emily Gallagher? Emily Gallagher, no relation. Um, hello, Sunnies. Long time listener, first time emailer. I think, I think, but I did have your email address in my account, so who knows? I've been listening to the discussion over the last couple of decades about how people <laughs> organize and label their negatives. Oh, did I say decades? Mm -hmm, just um, read them. This is, my, this is my process. I admit the part I am most rigid about is putting the negatives in the negative sleeves and labeling the sleeves. Well, that's good. Um, when the negs are developed, I try and scan them as soon as possible, as long as my scanner cooperates. Regardless of the scanner of the scanner's plans, they go into a negative sleeve onto which I write in Sharpie the following data. One, date shot. Two, camera used. Three, film used for subject matter. The negs get, then get put into onto the top of the appropriate section, 35, 120, E6, etc. I have a database of the film I have shot and I make a cover note Whenever or not I have scanned the film, whether or not I have scanned the film, um, yes, going good, isn't it? Um, <laughs> so that I can get back to scanning in the future when my software slash scanner feel like it. It seems I make a note of. It seems I make a note of less information than other listeners on the sleeves, 
but the information I do track is all that I want to check. I understand that keeping track of the dates shot might be trickier for some. Cough, Graham. <laughs> I feel I've done a real cough. <laughs> uh, but I don't have... Oh, do you reckon that was a Graham? Um, mm, yes. One of those. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, but I don't have the patience to wait years to find out what is on the roll, so I tend to shoot them in a relatively short time frame, which is also noted on the database. The database has more information in it than I put on the negative sleeves. Anyway, sorry for waffling. Thank you for producing a wonderful podcast. Kind regards, Emily Gallagher. Apologies for my poor reading (laughs) once again. It's it's good to see that some things remain as ever they were. Um, Thank you, Emily. That's lovely. Um, Yeah, I mean, uh, the information Emily's recording is the kind of stuff that I think is the most useful as well. What camera was it? What film was it? And when was it? And I can usually narrow down from that, but I really ought to be writing that on the negative sleeves. Um, Matthew, what do you do with your negatives and how do you keep track of all this stuff? Um, uh, so the negatives get scanned and then they go into a plastic bag. <laughs> just just loose in the plastic bag? Yeah. There you go, listeners. Yeah. We Roll them all up together. <laughs> We did it, and um, we found somebody worse than me. Only <laughs> Matthew Joseph. Oh boy. Yeah. Oh yeah. man. So, you, can I take it from that that as for you, once the negatives have been digitised, they're kind of they've served their purpose. Well, yeah, kind of because, I mean, okay. So it used to be an issue when I was doing exhibitions and stuff semi-regularly but uh i haven't had an i haven't been at an exhibition for a number of years so um yeah they go in a bag they've already they're they're scanned you know Mm -hmm. i've probably got no other need for them really after that controversially i won't name any names because the people i'm talking about don't listen to this podcast and People who listen to this podcast won't know who I'm talking about anyway, but I know someone who used to scan their negatives and then throw the negatives away. I, I, I get the distinct impression from the way that he sent us the other. I think that might be what Hamish does. I think that might be what Hamish killed us. I think he scans and chucks. Um, I'm not yeah. certain, but I kind of think that might yeah. be what he does. But, you know, whatever, whatever works. And, hey, look, and, uh, as hey, look, l- we're not... We're not scanning and chucking shaming here. We're, no, no, exactly. You know, we don't want to point fingers, even though you did. Oh, but, yeah, I love um, pointing fingers. The, the <laughs> thing is, like, the, like, that's fine. As long as you make sure that you're good at the digital backing up side of things, that you've yeah. got that game down. Cause I, in the many years ago when I used to listen to other photography podcasts you know, back when I was shooting digital so much of that conversation seemed to be around uh, how many different backup systems and backup of backups mm. and um, yeah. yeah so uh, I also uh, you'll be amazed to know I have no backup for my hard drive um, or mm. indeed any second storage zone. Um, anyway you know, mo- I'm about to say that the joys of being a Mac user is you just plug a hard drive in and you tell it to back up to it and it just does it like throughout the day just every hour or two or something it just updates so yeah there's probably I'm sure there's I'm sure there's windows software that does the same but uh what's it called um time capsule or whatever mm. it is for mac is just the best 
Okay, well, that's good. That's good. Well, I hope listeners are horrified at you um, and make a change from it being at me. Um, This next email is from Edward Bick, who writes in, Hi, Sun Team. Hope all is well with you, and thank you for the super podcast. I have two points to make. One, I am worried that your paper developer is too cold in your dark shed. And well, you might be. Do you measure the temperature? If it is too cold, the contrast may be reduced. My darkroom is similarly cold, and so I have bought a reptile. Yes, reptile. Oh, hang on, there's more. Heating mat. No. <laughs> I, thought, no. I thought he just bought a lizard to swim around in it and try and warm it up. I was going to say, yeah. that won't work. They're cold-blooded. Um, for yeah. under £10 on eBay to put under my tray of developer, I have also connected a temperature regulator to keep it at 20 degrees, also less than £10 on eBay. Before I start heating the solution, the temperature is around 14 degrees, so far too cold. Um, So before we move on, I'll just... uh, Yes, I have had issues with that. Um, And generally what I do is I check the temperature on the chemicals and if if the thermometer doesn't register that there's any temperature at all, so below 15, I do try and warm them up. But it is a problem. Although, exciting news, unless things go wrong, which might always happen on the 20th of this month i'm getting electricity in the dark shed oh my god i know i am so excited so that means that i will be able also to get a reptile for my dark shed um i think it's a really good idea just getting a heating mat underneath here uh and i'm also just going to get a little oil filled radiator to just sit in there just keeping the temperature from getting too cold full stop um but yes that's a very good point um and i think i probably have used temp uh, chemicals too cold really for them to work properly but there you go um point number two uh, you like this, Matthew, because it's more negative talk. Uh, regarding archiving yeah. negatives, a related topic is how to record what metering and shutter speed and aperture was used for pictures. I don't do this for all my photography, but if the metering was tricky, I take a picture of the scene on WhatsApp and use the draw facility to mark where I took a spot metering. I can also write any notes on the message that goes with the picture. I then send the photo and message to myself. I'm not sure how I found my own number on WhatsApp, so you might have to Google WhatsApping yourself to find out how to do it. Alternative, just WhatsApp a friend with your data and really annoy them. I'm sure there must be an easy way of doing this. <laughs> but I um, uh, hope this is of interest. As always, please note that any of the above may be highly incorrect. I think Edward's after my job. Best wishes from Edward. Thank you very much. Uh, that's a really good idea. I have in the past. So um, when I've been doing uh, large format stuff, um, I have been known to take pictures of scenes and make a note of the... Like uh, What I've done is, um, if I'm using an external meter, like because I've got a handheld light meter, I might take a picture of the scene with my hand with the light meter in front of it just so I can kind of see later. Go, okay. Um, because it can be quite useful with that kind of thing to go to go back and go okay why did this not look right or what was i doing at this time um you ever do anything like that matthew yeah i usually uh yeah i usually take a photo you know if it's a particularly nice photo i'm taking i'll take a digital one as well on my phone mm-hmm. and that way i've got the um uh, gps coordinates for it as well so yeah. i know where i was yeah and um just the date and the time it's automatically you know, recorded with the the digital one. Yeah, I think there's a um, I think there's a like a large format 
tool now. I think I saw it. Someone was talking about it on Twitter. It, it like it like flips the the scene for you now if you're a large format shooter. You know, for looking at your ground glass, and I think it does all of that. Um, I should probably find out if I can find it and and send it to you for the show notes. Okay. It looked like a it was a large format shooter's tool for your phone. That's interesting. I have to say, like with regards to large format and the, the flipping, because then you're obviously you're using the um, Camera Dactyl OG. Do you tend yeah. to use the ground glass on that, or are you just never? Never I used it to focus it, and I haven't used it since. Yeah, um, because if you're using uh, a field camera or something like that, and you're focusing using the ground glass, obviously the image is upside down and the wrong way around. Yeah. And um, and it sounds like the, the point of this app is to flip it up the right way. And yeah, I, and I'm. I'm and if it was me, I would, you know, hopefully they put in, you know, some way to take a photo as well. For yeah. And the interesting thing is, though, I remember reading um, in one of the many books that I've got, um, and it was talking about an incident where somebody was talking to, I think it was um, Henri Cartier-Bresson, uh, and he, mm. they said, look, I've got these two pictures, um, which are two very similar pictures of the same kind of scene. So which one's the better picture of these two? And the first thing that... Um, he did was he turned them upside down so that yeah. you're just looking at the shape uh, and the, the structure rather than the, the details and what mm -hmm. it actually is so in some ways I think having that layer of abstraction of it being upside down can help you better compose a picture um, because you're not you're looking at the shape and the structure rather than at the um, the particular details in the scene but I don't know I guess it's different for everybody yeah. uh, I used to colour correct uh, when I worked at photo labs upside down because it it distracts you from i wasn't upside down the image was <laughs> just to clarify um it, it distracts you from the the subject matter yeah you, know, you can assess the color yeah and, yeah that makes know, sense to, it just looks like a series of shapes yeah so. yeah no that makes perfect sense do you want to take the next one uh with more negative talk because i know you love this matthew uh from oh. ian turpin our good friend ian turpin ian in Turpin. No relation. Hi, Sonny. Um, <laughs> I'm glad you're clarifying that none of these people are well, your relations. There's, there's, there's a song about Turpin going to York. It's a, a UK. Dick, just, Dick Turpin. Just keep anyway. attempting to read. Okay, all right. Just a quick note. To respond to the discussion around archiving negatives, my process is relatively simple, like me and me. <laughs> Um, uh, I scanned the whole roll into Lightroom using my V550, that's an Epson, um, with minimal settings and doing 12 shots at a time, so it is quite quick. Then I make a contact sheet from this using the print module within Lightroom. This is tricky the first time, but like most things in Lightroom, when you've done it once, you can save it as a preset and it becomes a one-click thing after that. Then I save the contact sheet as an image, which I can print out and mark up, as well as export as an A4 document. At the end of the year, I then make a blurb book of all my contact sheets. Ooh, I like that. Uh, along with an accompanying line of text detailing camera, month, and film. On my neg sleeve sheet, I simply put date developed camera and film, which goes into a binder with newest on top. Having a physical book of contact sheets allows me to go back and review images, finding new things of interest in images I may have discarded earlier when I was younger and didn't know anything. 
any image I want to make a decent print from is then easy to find and can get scanned to a high resolution and properly keyworded in Lightroom. Keywording. Now, there's a topic to set the world on fire. Uh, maybe do an episode on it after your episode on camera bags. <laughs> All the best, Ian. Full stop. <laughs> and he did face uh, Ian is uh, Ian uh, at Ian underscore C T E on Instagram. Um, that uh, makes sense. Yeah, I actually wanted to mention earlier when we were reading Emily's um, email. Emily uh, is a delight um, on Twitter, although she might have written in before, but she's always a delight on Twitter. So if you, I think her. Uh, Twitter handle is at photos Emily. Go and find her. She's lovely. Um, Emily was my emulsive secret Santa one. Really? To send to or yeah. to receive from? Uh, I can't remember. Oh my goodness. One or, one or the other. I think it was to send to. Oh, I hope you sent something good. Well, it would have been a Christmas book. So is that good? Um, yes. <laughs> he says politely. Yeah. He said, he says, thinking, will I receive a book this year? <laughs> okay, uh, we have got one more very aptly titled, uh, and I think this is probably much so we have enjoyed, uh, I have enjoyed hearing what everybody does. I think this is probably the last one we read on a negative naming um, because uh, um, Matthew's getting bored of it. Um, not just the day, so. so thank you very much. much. But anyway, this one is called But Wait, There Is More on Scan File Naming. This is from Matt Jones, who I believe you know reasonably well. Uh, yes, he's part of the 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 all, all four Matts collect photography collective, <laughs> which is four people called Matt. Um, yeah. Matt writes in hi backing paper sonny's Rach and Graham. Well, sorry, you've got Matthew and Graham this week. I'm sure by now everyone is totally bored hearing about naming conventions for film scans. So here is one more yes. idea. Incidentally, I don't yes. think it's boring because everyone does it differently. And you enjoy, like you like that blurb book idea, so you shut your pie hole. Anyway, it doesn't say all of that in the email. Um, scan your roles and name them with whatever filing system you want. Don't even worry if you're not consistent. Just be sure to write with a sharpie on the negative sleeve the same thing you use for the file name of that role. Drag and drop all your scanned photos into Google Photos, which is free if you have a Gmail account. Then, whenever you need to find a certain neg for printing, you use the Google search engine built into Google Photos to find the photo. It, uh, it also orders them by date. You can turn on the information panel I to see the file names and match them to your negative sleeve. Not only does Google search on the keywords you use on your file names, but its clever algorithms also, also, <laughs> algorithms also classify your photos, even if you didn't use the word. If you type cat oven d dinner, mm, that's a worrying <laughs> series of words that Matt's gone with there. It will find photos with that content. So if you type cat oven and dinner, I'm... Don't do that into Google generally. Mm. Well, I live in Thailand. Oh, good point. Uh, it's very clever, and their metadata searches get better over time. Stay sunny, Matt from Thailand. I think that is a really good idea. So if you're just dumping all of your pictures into mm. Google Photos, um, yeah, and then you search, oh, I know I've got a picture with a dog in it or something. I mean, I don't know whether it could search by name. I think it probably could, actually. I think if you've got enough pictures with people with the same name or just put in man or yeah, that that would make searching a lot easier. Good tip. Yeah, just let, uh, 
just let Skynet take care of it. Yeah, good point. There is also that we are also absolutely feeding into Google's ability to recognize everything yeah. everywhere. And, oh. and I, for, I, for one, welcome our future AI overlords. It seems best to be nice about it, nice to, right now. Doesn't it? Otherwise, you know, they're definitely going to punish us later. Um, That's why I say please and thank you to Siri. Oh, God. I know plenty of people who do that. Um, do you want to take this next one from Dean Lastoria? Is this a short one? Uh, this is the one, Lasagna Developing Tank, which is a great title for an email. Lasagna. Oh, lasagna. I think she said she likes lasagna. Um, okay. Uh, Dean Lastoria. Hi, Sunnies. On backing paper number 64, you were discussing non-real reels. Kodak made what is commonly called lasagna. Oh, okay. Yeah, okay. Yeah, lasagna reels. That's funny. Um, they work well for washi, but for 120, the curl of the film isn't controlled by the reel. You can find lasagna, sorry, you can find tank slash lasagna setups in North America, but I'm not sure if it's a good idea except for washing. The reel is held down by a metal plate in the tank so that when the kit comes with the plate or it isn't much so make yes. sure the kit Matthew you just missed random words so make sure the kit Did comes I? with the plate or it isn't much use I'm sick leave me alone <laughs> um, also and a bit retarded um, also be prepared to get wet but in Vancouver we are all getting wet so it's okay Dean <laughs> thank you very much Dean I think I've seen these well I'm not sure I've got a really old Kodak um tank setup and i think it is that kind of thing i mean it's not one i would use it is uh, at best vintage and possibly heading towards antique it's like this wooden box with a thing inside and uh, i've not played around but i think that that was how that worked feeding in in that kind of lasagna way but um interesting stuff i've not shot any washi I, film um, so i um uh when i was involved in a film shooting collective here in melbourne called the melbourne silver mine um uh, one of our members used to uh, constantly promote the use of lasagna lasagna sheets for mm -hmm. his um, developing, um, and he was quite staunch about it, and there were some interesting arguments. Um, but it is you are more prone to bromide drag uh, with lasagna sheets. So over-developing when the like it, it looks like it's dripping down from the sprocket holes of the film. Can you explain? Because uh, I don't, I, I've read Bro My Drag, and when you say it, I have a picture mm. in my head, but I've never quite understood what it is or why it happens. Have you got any more of a grasp on that that you can explain to me and others? It's, um, I don't know exactly what it is, um, but it's, uh, uh, they're called surge marks as well. It's just from overdeveloping. So it's like, it's almost like in your negatives, you have a look at the negatives and there's almost like spotlights coming down from mm -hmm. the sprocket hole. Yeah. So it's from, it's over agitation or over developing. Um, you can get it from, Oh, is it under agitation? I think you can get it. I think it, it, it's a thing that happens if you, if you over agitate or under agitate as well. Um, it's definitely agitating related. Yeah. So surge marks, no relation to Carl. <laughs> I knew you couldn't get past that. And then uh, Bromide Drag, which is the name of a fictional uh, film shooter's band as mm -hmm. well. It's wonderful. Mm. 
Um, listeners, if anybody wants to write in and maybe give a slightly more detailed explanation of what bromide drag is, that would be great. Not that yours wasn't wonderful, Matthew, <laughs> but uh, you know. Oh, there's also Google. People can Google it. They could, but I like it when people write in and tell me stuff. It's much safer than oh, yeah. risking Google. Um, yeah. Okay. Hashtag content. Hashtag content, exactly. Okay, so we've got a long one here, so buckle up, everyone. And this is from the wonderful jo- Jonathan, Jonathan Becker, entitled Project sorry. and some other things. You caught, you caught corona from me, I'm sorry. Dear back paper, backing papering sunbeams, hope you're all doing well. I would like to thank you for the film I got from you out of the print competition. Random selections are the best. I don't know why, but they seem to increase my chances of winning in anything. I'm going to hold on to the film until spring finally arrives. We have a lot of woodland around here, so the new green leaves should give a nice contrast to the brownish surroundings on the ortho film. I nearly bought myself a roll, because the way Graham talks about his ability to send out package in time, I was kind of expecting to see the roll of film arrive much later in the year. I have to admit, I was at least as excited to get some Sunny 16 stickers. I instantly put one on the least analogue thing I own, my computer, a picture attached. But I am not only writing to say thank you. You carelessly mentioned several times that you're interested in what your listeners are up to. So buckle up because this is going to be a long email of me describing my last project. Uh, And there is a link to this. Um, So for... Unfortunately, I'm going to see if I can open this link. So I, can't, I, I You open the link, Matthew. I can't read and look at pictures at the same time. I'm a, I'm a single okay. target. All right. At the beginning of the year, I thought about finally making a zine I was planning to do for a long time now. The current Sunny 16 assignment was a nice push in this direction, but then I carelessly browsed our local equivalent of Craigslist slash Facebook marketplace and stumbled upon an intriguing and interesting lens. The seller claimed it would have an image circle big enough for 16 by 20. The lens was cheap and I could not resist. Looking at 16 by 20 cameras, I realised I would have to sell at least two of my non-existing Leica cameras or stop eating for a year to afford this. Also, 16 by 20 film is crazy expensive, so time to give up? I decided to try to build something by myself with the idea in mind to use paper negatives as much cheaper alternative to film. Building a large format camera is simple in theory. There aren't that many parts. There is a front with a lens board, bellows, a back with ground glass and a slot for the film holder and then something to connect the front and the back to allow for focusing and movement. How hard can this be? Spoiler. Harder than expected. I mean, to be honest, just reading through that list, I was already at quite hard. I started with the film holder. In my case, actually a paper holder. You can buy those, but with prices over $700, this wasn't an option. I decided to make my own. Despite not having any woodworking skills or being particularly handy with crafting anything. I like this. This is is really speaking Mm. to me. I started with a board of plywood. Luckily, one of our local hardware stores offers to cut them to size. Otherwise, this project would have been over before it started. On top of this, I glued several layers of wooden bars to have an insert for the paper and a slot for a dark slide. As a dark slide, I used a thinner board of plywood with one side having a black finish. The next step was to then construct somehow a ground glass holder. I decided to construct the frame very similar to the paper holder so I could just exchange them on the camera. 
but where to get 16 by 20 ground glass. There are some tutorials around using silicon carbide grinding powder, but then I found something else. You can get a spray can for frosting glass for decoration purposes or to make something like your bathroom windows opaque. I bought one of those cans and used the glass from a 16 by 20 picture frame. The result is surprisingly good. So if anyone needs a replacement ground glass, give this a go. It is really cheap. If you want to try this, spray from some distance and apply multiple layers. Don't be disappointed with the immediate result. It will get really opaque after some drying. The only difficulty left was getting the front of the ground glass on the same level as the paper in the holder so that the picture would be in focus. Now to the easy part, the camera itself. I used construction wood to create two frames, one for the front and one for the back. I thought a lot about how to connect the front and back, but in the end I decided that I would just use two tripods, one for the front one for the back. With this, the camera is much more compact and portable. Both of those are inverted commas because I think 16 by uh. 20 compact is a, an oxymoron. Even if these words do not really fit for this construction, I also gain every camera movement I can think of, but for the price of slightly less stability and more problems with focusing because I have to move the tripod itself. <laughs> I'm just envisaging this whole setup now. Oh boy. I was uh, going to say before, you're an oxymoron. <laughs> thank you. I'm glad you managed to get that in there. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. And then there are the bellows. Turns out making bellows is hard uh, and buying them is expensive. I've heard this from a few camera makers, actually. I found some oh. black fabric online, usually used to make light-proof curtains, learned how to use a sewing machine, and created a big tube from it. Some rope on the inside of this fabric tube, which can be tightened, keeps it straight and works just fine as bellows replacement. With this step, I could do first tests and finally see an image on the ground glass, pictures eight and nine. It then turned out that my lens was fine for close up, but in fact did not cover the whole image at infinity. At this point, I was way too invested into the whole thing to just accept this. So I hopped on eBay and got myself another lens, a Rodenstock Apo, Apo? Apo, a Rodenstock Apo Ronar F9 480mm. This lens covers the whole image. The unsharp corners do not really matter to me. I think this lens has a 35mm focal length equivalent, uh, or less than 35mm. Oh, oh, sorry, of less than 35mm, so still very wide. The camera was finished and it was time for some exposure tests. I taped a small 5x7 piece of photographic paper into the holder for that. Using the camera is different because there is no shutter. Getting a lens with such coverage and a shutter would require selling a lot more of the non-existent Leicas. So for the first test, I covered up the lens, removed the dark slide and exposed with the help of some flashes. And it worked! It is kind of exciting to see something working after such a long process. I quickly moved up in sizes with paper negatives and got my first 16 by 20 image. It is amazing what you can do with some simple materials. Of course, I want to share these results, but here is the problem. Who can scan a 16 by 20 image? For myself, I can make contact prints from the paper, neg paper negatives and they look so beautiful. 
maybe a listener has an idea on how to digitize such big prints. I try taking pictures with a digital camera, however I just can't avoid reflections. I hope I can make this work without having to buy some extra lamps. So I still wanted to show you a result example. Graham published his address in the past. <laughs> I got in trouble for it. So I just sent him one contact print. I really hope that was fine. As they say, it's easier to ask for forgiveness than permission. I just want to say um, it, it was definitely fine, except the part that Sinead gets so cross. She gets so cross. Oh, there's a parcel come. Oh, it's for you. God, what is it? And she gets really cross. I get all the really awesome posts. Um, I will talk about the point at the end. Anyway, of course, if either aid, who won't hear this anyway, oh, Jonathan really knows this, or Rachel wants to see one of the prints, I'd gladly send one over. What's next? I want to use the camera for what I like most, creating pictures of nature. This is so much harder as studio work because this thing is not very portable and you only have one shot per trip. I'm still working on it, but rating the paper, which is Speed Variant 311, around ISO 20, more if bright sunshine and therefore UV light is present. Stopping down the lens and exposing by removing a lens cap works. I also got an old projector lens, an Ernst Lights Wetzlar Epis 50cm f4.3 with more glass in it than all my other lenses combined. This thing is huge. If I can mount it somehow, it will make a great portrait lens for this camera. So before I end this already way too long email, I wanted to make a comment on the recent discussion about developer, fixer and the environment. You are correct, the silver in the fixer is the big problem. Used fixer contains silver thiosulfate, or to be precise, bisthiosulfate argentia. Uh, there's a spare eye on the end, I don't know what that's about. I recently found that this compound can be used to make cannabis, cannabis plants grow flowers, but no seeds. So there's an alternative usage for your fixer. <laughs> oh. So if you've got any cannabis growers who want to turn over a new career um, into flower arrangers, I guess. Oh. I mean, they got the lights already. Exactly, exactly. Uh, although the flowers on cannabis see on plants, if they're anything like the sort of the garden equivalents, are not really all that great. I now wish you all a great time at the photography show. Too bad I can't see your live podcast. Maybe you should go on tour. Best wishes oh. from Jonathan. P.S. Next I mean, assignment, make your own camera. There's <laughs> already one. I mean, already one. We haven't even managed to finish making our own zine yet. Incidentally, in case anybody is wondering why um, th that has kind of uh, not progressed further, it's mostly because um, Rachel is super, super busy. As you've heard every week, she's super busy. And so, uh, especially with the photography show coming up, we thought, okay, Let's get that past first, and then we'll return to it afterwards. Don't throw her under the bus. No, no, I'm not throwing her under the bus. I'm just saying that we haven't forgotten. Yeah. Shut up, Matthew. And also, shut up, Matthew. Um, I'm not throwing under the bus. I'm just saying we haven't forgotten about the zine project, but we just wanted to give ourselves the time to actually do it properly. Um, so we will be coming back to it. We're not done with that. But um, the picture that I got sent is spectacular. And obviously, I, when I got the picture, it was sent without any... I mean, was, I knew it was from Jonathan. <laughs> But other than that, it was sent without any context. So this 16 by 20 is a really big print 
full stop. Um, and so I got this out. I was like, oh, this is amazing. The print looks gorgeous. I never would have guessed that it was a, just a, a, a contact print from a homemade camera. Uh, it looks fabulous. It's um, uh, a sort of still life of a potted um, flower arrangement, and it looks great, really lovely. Uh, I'm just really impressed with the whole thing. What do you think of all that, Matthew? Yeah, no. Uh, did you have you had a look at the link that he sent with the the building process? No. Well, whilst you're telling us what you think, I'm going to go now have a look at the the thing. Well, so he made a series of frames, and he bought uh, a bit of glass, and then he frosted it, and then he clamped it all together, and then he's sewing. He's sewing. That's awesome. And then there's a. Oh, that must be the test shot. So there's a picture of the little creature from Ice Age that likes eating the acorns. That must oh, be a test yeah. shot. And then there's a picture of the double tripod monstrosity out in the wilderness. I mean, that's... Uh, okay, so you see that contact print, the one of the flowers in the um, pot? Yeah. That's the print yeah. that he sent me, and it's lovely. It's yeah. really lovely. Um, and yeah, yes, wow. Re resolution much? Yeah, exactly. And so, yes, if you're kind of trying to picture what this looks like in the world, I mean, it is exactly what it sounds like. It's really good, though. I mean, what a fantastic, uh, not terribly flexible, but what fun. And I really like uh, the fact that he's managed to make something not, really cool. Not flexible, but at the same time, extremely flexible. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, that's really awesome. Uh, I... I love seeing people work all the way through stuff like this. I think it's fantastic. And um, I, I would, I'd love to do, unsurprisingly, I'd love to do a make-your-own-camera assignment, but um, I think the other two might visit bodily harm upon me if I suggested that. So, um, and, and as for the taking the podcast tour, um, for a live podcast on tour, uh, let's see if we make it through one first without, <laughs> without getting lynched or booed or, you know, otherwise dying on our butts dying on our collective butts um oh well but yeah great email thank you very much jonathan and um i will put a link i'll put the link that jonathan shared with us in the show notes because this is well worth seeing um it's an incredible project just seeing what he's done uh and i and you know i really love it as somebody who is very candid at making stuff the problem i have is that um if I can't see a way to finish something within the time that I have there and then, I probably am not going to do it because I just like, well, it'll get sidelined. So the fact that he saw a whole thing through to the end is amazing to me. Okay. Um, do you want to take the next one from Richard Hall? Richard Hall, no relation. Uh, I'll stop saying that eventually. Okay, um, I, I was going to say, I, no, I won't. I can't make it. I can't make a university joke because I never went to university, but you know, you could say, Oh, my, my dorm was Richard Hall. Anyway, um, <laughs> dear Sunbeams, I was wondering if you were going to be at the photography show next weekend. Uh, I've got my ticket and I'll be going on Saturday where I'm also going to a live podcast by the sunny night. Oh, okay. Oh, it's humor. Um, <laughs> just read so it. At least you going even... to a live podcast by the sunny 19 crew. I'm surprised you're not doing this, especially considering they must be about half a stop slower than you. Uh, if you go, perhaps Rachel could sabotage the event with some loud violin music. Just a thought. But seriously, I like the idea of a zine swap, and I'll have some copies of my zine with me just in case. Richard. Uh, yeah. So 
<laughs> so, as we, I don't know whether we've mentioned this on the podcast before, but yes. Uh, once or twice. Well, not the pod, not the live podcast, but the fact that the tickets they've gone out have got Sunny 19 yeah. on it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which is great. I mean, I'm going to go see that. Sunny 19. Sunny 19. Listen, you know, bigger and bolder than ever. Um, and, uh, yeah, as far as the zine swap goes, um, do pretty, we, we're sure we're going to be able to find a space somewhere. Um, we will find somewhere to put some zines. So, if you, you know, we'll try and get something organised on the day to maybe arrange a particular time. But if, you, if you've got some zines, bring a few with you and we'll arrange some time. We, we could always say after the live podcast or something like that. But, you know, bring zines if you fancy doing a zine swap. Um, and the last mm. one also. All right, I was going to say, have you... Have you organised a time? Are you doing like a meetup during the day at uh, all? No, not a particular time because okay. the because with the analog spotlight being uh, one area, I'm going to be mostly around there all day. Uh, Rachel, okay. we're all going to be in that area for most of the day, so there's no time. Just come along; you'll find us there. Um, we'll be there, you know, meeting and greeting. Um, and uh, and actually this last email from Dunstan is very pertinent to this. As we look forward to the next weekend, this is uh, titled Photography Show Dash Social Distancing. Uh, oh. So Dunstan writes in, Hey Sunbeams, just a quick note before the TOG show so people don't think I'm being standoffish. I'm not going to shake anybody's hand. I'll be using the elbow bump in place of the handshake slash hug slash sloppy kiss. I'm going to be sanitizing my hands after touching anything that's not mine. It's not personal, and I'll be happy for anyone to have a go with my cameras slash toys if they sanitize their hands first. And I'd recommend that if you're trying a demo camera that lots of people have touched, don't bring it in contact with your face. I hope nobody thinks I'm overdoing it. This just seems a sensible and proportionate approach just now from Dunstan. Uh, I think that everything that Dunstan has just said is really sensible um yeah. you know this is going to be a very big crowd of people in a close space picking up stuff and as he pointed out i mean i i have no interest in going around and picking up and trying out the digital cameras but that's what you do you pick them up and you put them to your eyes which i'm pretty yeah. sure is the bit that we're being told not to touch um, no one wants coronavirus of the eyeball. You no, know, it's the worst kind. Um, oh. So, yes, you know, I will also probably not be doing handshaking just because it seems sensible to not. So, you know, elbow bumps seem like a good thing. Um, you know, I I am generally quite a sort of um, hands-on kind of person. You know, I like handshakes and hugs and all sorts of stuff. But oh, this doesn't seem like... Touchy-feely, are you? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, <laughs> a, 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 long, a consensual touchy-feely one with a perfectly clear. Um, but... Um, um, yeah, I think it does seem sensible given the situation we're in. I have to be honest, I, you know, <laughs> waiting to make sure we get to the photography show um, before this becomes a concern. But um, yeah, just be sensible. And I think if you are able to get hold of some hand sanitizer or something, because um, that stuff's sold out flipping everywhere, if you're planning on picking stuff up and trying it out, do bring some with you. Better safe than sorry. Um, 
I, you know, I had originally planned, I think I've said before that I was going to be there on the Saturday, but not on the Sunday, um, because the reason I wasn't going to be there on the Sunday is because we had a family party planned uh, for my nan's 95th birthday. However, because it's my nan's 95th birthday and my nan has some illness issue, well, you wouldn't know it, but she's technically got stage four lung cancer, but nobody seems to have told her that, so she's just rocking it. Um, but also, like my stepdad has um, rheumatoid arthritis and terrible breathing issues so if i go to the photography show on the saturday and then go and see them that could go quite badly wrong so yeah you know it's it's difficult with this corona thing um because whilst i'm not personally worried about it because um it's not like to do me any real harm or my kids or anything um if you're not if you have health issues and you're a bit older, it could absolutely kill you. So a proportionate approach, I think, is sensible. Let's just do the best we can to make sure that ourselves and the people we love and go near are kept safe. Because um, you, you have asthma, don't you, Matt? Is that right? Or did I just make that up? You I seem like to. the type. <laughs> when, I was, when I was younger, I used to have it. Yeah, but, not um, anymore. I managed to... Uh, we got a swimming pool. and When I lived in Queensland, we got a swimming pool and mm. I would, you know practice holding my breath and i never had any issue i only really have issues when i'm unwell like mm. currently yeah but um i was going to say the uh foot tapping is a, a good alternative to handshaking as well tapping mm -hmm. your feet yeah and um i was also wondering if the uh, toilet paper hoarding had reached the uk yet apparently it is starting to yes i don't oh yeah it's wonderful. Um, but yeah, just essentially, I think if, if you're coming to the photography show, one, don't be put off by the coronavirus because, uh, you know, as long as you're sensible, keep your hands to yourself. And when you do touch stuff, whether it's in the toilets or the handrail or wherever it may be, just wash your hands thoroughly afterwards and it'll be fine. It'll be absolutely fine. Yeah. Um, I've got a fencing mask. I can't get hold of any other mask, but I've got a fencing mask. I'm aware that I'm sure that'll protect me for anything. <laughs> At the very oh, least. Protect you from sharp objects. He's going to protect you from being stabbed in the face, which again, with a live podcast, is a distinct risk. Okay. <laughs> On behalf of all the listeners, why do you have a fencing mask? I used to fence. Obviously, I used to fence. I... Yeah? <laughs> yeah? Really? Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I used to... For a few years, I did fencing. Um, and then I just ran out of time to do that along with everything else. But yeah, fencing is great fun. It's a really great sport to do. Um, as what long about, as you, you know, was it? Was it just fences, or did you make brick walls as well? Uh, no, not brick walls. I see. I have done both types of fencing, because also a gardener. But um, no, brick walls is yeah. a bit beyond me. Yeah. Okay. Well, that is it for the emails for this week. Uh, thank you Yay! so much to everybody. Well done, Matthew. Um, more practice needed on the whole reading front, but you know, <laughs> better than some fast efforts, I guess. <laughs> the thing is, thank you, you for send Thank you for sending in your medical review i hope you've been well <laughs> um we have got a few things that we want to talk about we already mentioned the fp4 party which um if you were taking part yep. in um technically this is the week where you get your film developed but i think you know a whole week that means you can still do some more shooting and then develop it because it's the week after yep. where you're sharing your pictures yeah as long as you don't share them early i think um you'll remain on m's good books uh yes well it's not really m that is organizing is he another um uh well, i think he's involved he's involved but he's, you know, i think ian nutt is doing a m lot with it he you know he's uh m and friends m and friends but yeah i think yeah well anyway all the wonderful people i know ian nutt is doing a lot with it he's working hard on it um so i'm gonna give him the credit mostly 
and others as well okay. apologies to all the others okay. that are also working hard though i haven't just kind of clicked um uh also today uh it is international women's day today so it's a real bummer that we haven't got rachel hey. here <laughs> because that would make more sense but happy international women's day to all the awesome women out there um as part of the run-up to international women's day analog wonderland has been um running uh, pieces on um and written by a number of amazing uh female photographers in the community um and i'm trying to remember who obviously uh, rachel has got one up today uh i know yep. that Karen Freer has had one up. Um, I think the um, I'm not going to try and guess because I'll get it wrong. Who else has had them Paula, up? Paula Smith. Paula Smith. I've met Paula. She's lovely. Um, Sherry Lee Laguerre. Okay, and that's a new name on me, but I need to go and read that clearly. Who else? Chloe Chloe Fay. Mm-hmm. Again, another new name, but um, so Sarah Sarah Emma Smith. Oh yes, now that that is I I did click through that. That's so um. Yeah, lots of great articles. Go to Analog Wonderland, read up on there. There are, uh, it doesn't need, it shouldn't need to be said how many amazing female photographers there are out there. Um, But if you want to just go in, if you want a nice, easy place to go and click through to just see a selection of people doing great stuff right now, that's a good shout out. Um, And we will put a link through to that in the show notes as well. The other thing we wanted to mention this week, let people know. So we had last year um, the wonderful people from Photo Classic International on the show, uh, and they wrote in to us to let us know that they are having a rebrand. Um, now, let me see if I can find. Uh, uh, I, I clicked through the wrong thing. Okay. Um, so the reason that they are having a rebrand is because essentially Photo Classic was an existing magazine. Um, so when uh, they started Photo Classic International, there was some confusion as to whether this was the same magazine in different language or whatever it may be anyway the long and short of it is in this year where they've got big plans and they're going to be doing loads more stuff the name of the photo classic international magazine is now silver grain classics um new name same awesome magazine uh same amazing content um if you want to find out about it, go to silvergrainclassics.com. There's numerous places you can get a hold of this magazine as well as going to it directly there. Um, but yeah, we just wanted to let everybody know that if you can't find where Photo Classic International has gone, or if you start seeing stuff pop up from somebody calling themselves Silver Grain Classics, that's who that is. Um, so do go and check that out. Their stuff is wonderful um, and you know, well worth looking at. Um, it was I missed out on the conversation with them uh, last year, although I have been around to chat to them since then, just uh, in unrecorded phone calls. Sometimes we do that. Sometimes uh, we talk to people and don't record it. I mean, I've even spoken to you and not recorded it, haven't I, Matthew? Yeah, and we even played tanks. Yeah, it's because we're mostly playing video games, admittedly. <laughs> I mean, maybe we hey, should, we should record... Re- we should record those conversations. <laughs> It'd take a long time to censor them, wouldn't it? It really, really would. Yeah, it really, really would. Um the other thing oh well should we do coffee next and just do all the photography show bit at the end that seems like a good plan well, i was going to say silver grain classics um it, it, it's now online with their um instagram account they've i think they've always been silver grain classics on instagram you may well be right i'm bad at following yeah. what's going on with anything i am yeah I am. that's why you're that's why you're the instagram man for us you are the the, the genius the creative genius behind instagram for us for which i haven't been doing much on there lately as well as the website (laughs) um, personal personal laziness had a lot personal laziness reasons plus i've been you know doing other things which are 
a bit more important, but I will get into it when I can. Mm, I don't think it's more important than something sixteen four. I don't think that's possible, Matthew. Just because you want to find a new job and all that stuff, I don't think that's really more important than keeping no. up with the podcast feed. You, get, priorities is what I'm saying. Um, you know, because okay. you've got your end of year review coming up, and I just I don't I don't oh. want it to reflect badly on you. Is this a end of financial year? End of financial year review, yeah. We need to look at whether we can afford to keep you on for another year, and that's going to you know, very much depend on what, what value you brought to the brand. Because I've been absolutely Scrooge McDucking. In <laughs> yeah, exactly. Money. Hey, listen, as like, I said to you the other day, I'm profit sharing with you. You get you get 25% of everything I make from this podcast. I think that's very reasonable. <laughs> so far, we're all rolling in the zilch, yeah. Um, but 25% of nothing is what? <laughs> Oh yeah, but luckily the podcast has more than nothing to keep it running because of an amazing group of people who we like to call the Coffee Donuts. It's not a glamorous superhero group name, but they are superheroes to us and they are the ones that do um, keep us going and enable us to invest in stuff. And um, if you ever wonder what kind of things that we use the money to invest in, hang on a second. Here is... No. Here is... Here's how... <laughs> Uh, some of the coffee might actually it hasn't but it might be um, there you go that's what some of your coffee money is going towards don't worry it may all make sense one day clean up an aisle pants clean up an aisle pants <laughs> um, so we've got some co- coffee everyone walking and listening to this just move to the left <laughs> um do the so, other one. Come on. Oh, okay. Hang on. Hang on. Hang on. A bit less. Not as close to the mic. It wasn't time. close to the mic. It was. That was good. Sorry. Was that quite a bit loud as well? Sorry, listeners. I am sorry. I'll try and um, level out <laughs> any gross spikes in the audio there. Um, yeah, if you're wondering, if you're wondering why we appear to have <laughs> a clown horn and a reception bell, well, just wait and see. <laughs> but... We have got a live podcast coming up, so... Are you, are you going to remake Faulty Towers? <laughs> uh, I think that you could argue that this is exactly what we've been doing for the last however many episodes of this there has been. Anyway, getting back to our fantastic yeah. coffee donuts, we have got um, a little bit of an issue this week because we've got the researchers in the Australian researchers and we've also got the researchers uh, over here in the UK, but we've got new researchers at both ends and I think there's been a bit of a breakdown in communications, hasn't there, Matthew? Yeah, So yeah, um, definitely. A so, breakdown of some kind. So um, you're going to do half of the donors for us. Um, do you want to explain, because uh, I said to you, oh, have you got the donor research for us? Um, what's happened here with the donor research, Matthew? Well, I think Skype must have cut out because I thought you said donor research donut so, research yeah that that wasn't what i asked for so but I, still i researched donut okay so. well um let's let's go with what we've got so uh, what, what have we got for juliet schwab <laughs> okay the juliet schwab uh the machine that punches a hole or nut in a donut is called a fan kuchen punch this <laughs> uh, it was invented in 1987 by dr pan of Germany, uh, and the machine that puts the filling in a donut is called Piers Jelly Giggler, <laughs> invented by Piers Hartley. Mm-hmm. Okay, good, good. Okay. 
who have we got next? Keith Durkin. Okay, so again, as I said, uh, we've got new researchers at this end as well, and I don't think they, when I said I wanted donor research, I don't think they quite grasped it. So here's what I've got for um, Keith Durkin. Uh, Keith's great-granddad was the first recipient of a foot transplant. Um, owing to a clerical error, his right foot got replaced with the donated left foot of somebody else, uh, which caused unsurprising movement complications and led to the commonly known phrase of uh, two left feet. So, yeah, I think we've got research on donors, unfortunately. <laughs> Not you are anyway um okay what have we got for sam cornwell sam christopher cornwell uh the origin of the donut is most likely the dutch oily cakes <laughs> a delicacy of sweetened cake fried and fat uh lucky for us the dutch didn't put salt in it like they did uh, licorice oh licorice well thank goodness thank goodness okay who's next Jaya Bat. Okay, here's Jaya Bat's donor fact. Uh, Jaya carries a card which alerts anyone that needs to know that he's an oregano donor. Um, many's the time he's rushed to the aid of slightly under-seasoned Italian food, like the hero he is. That's oregano donor, everybody. I'm here all What's week. that got to do with donors? I mean, it's literally the word donor, oregano donor. I mean, never mind. Oh, okay. Christ, you just read the shit. I'll send you the transcript. You'll laugh so hard then. Okay, uh, okay. What, about, what about Hillary Clark? Insert laugh track here. Shut oh. up. Just... Okay. American police officers are the... Oh, Hillary Clark. American police officers are the world's second largest consumer of donuts. Uh, the first being Homer Simpson. The third being your mum. <laughs> Great, <laughs> your mum joke. Okay, who have we got next? Duncan Gammon. Duncan, uh, seeing the vital need for blood banks and sperm banks, wondered if there might be a market for collecting other donated bodily fluids. His business went under when multiple people accused him of taking the piss. I thought you were going to make a Winston Churchill joke for a second. Uh, no, no. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, uh, Bill Sue. Bill Sue, my friend on Instagram. Um, the Ouroboros donut is the world's deadliest yet healthiest donut. It's a snake donut that eats itself. <laughs> well, I'm going to have to sack the Australian branch. Research has turned out. Um, who have we got last? Hey, time? look. Uh, well, look, you know, we just we have to kill an animal. It has <laughs> yeah. to happen. Uh -huh. And this was a, a snake eating itself, so okay, it's, it kind of counts. Kind of counts. All right, Martin Smith. Um, Martin Smith. Martin defies gender expectations by being an egg donor. So far, he's donated over 100 eggs to dry bacon sandwiches across the east of England. Thank you so oh. much for all your good work. And thank you so much to all of our wonderful donors. We promise... The researchers responsible for the research this week will be fired and be replaced by other researchers who will actually grasp the important work that they need to be doing. Um, but thank you so much. We really appreciate everything you're doing. And as I said, especially at this time of year, when not only are we coming around to the time where we're having to pay for the website hosting and uh, podcast hosting and everything else, we also need money to do, um, for, well, quite frankly, some really dumb stuff for the <laughs> podcast. Um, Matthew, as I said, this is a bit of a warning. As much as Matthew's helping me with the podcast preparation, aren't you, for the, our live podcast next week? Uh huh. Yeah. Um, and making, uh, making stuff. 
making stuff. Would you say, if I use the phrase multimedia extravaganza, <laughs> is that over the top, yeah. do you think? For what we're doing? <laughs> yes. Yeah. It's definitely late, all of the late 90s catchphrases. It's going to be a multimedia CD-ROM yeah. extrav- extravaganza. We're, we're pushing at the limits at what can be uh, achieved with a very basic <laughs> slideshow. Um, but uh, really looking forward to it. Um, and... Uh, well, I mean, a little tease. I'm going to give a tease for the the central, the middle section. Um, okay. Um, well, I think we'll just tell you that the middle section uh, is going to be called. What's it going to be called, Matthew? You can say what's it going to be called. The game, the, the the game show. Yeah. What's it called? Never mind the Bronicas. Never mind the Bronicas. And yes, as Matthew very smoothly, uh, we were going for a subtle hint, and then Matthew just announced what it was going to be. Um, it's going to be we're going to have a game show section at the live podcast. Uh, so, if that sounds like it might be ridiculous, you're probably right. Uh, could it go wrong in an almost infinite number of ways? Yes, it could. Are we going to do it anyway? Yes, we are. How much awareness will my co-hosts have of what's going on before it happens to them? None. <laughs> Absolutely none. So as much as anything else, you need to be at the photography show in that audience just so you can see the look on their faces when all this kicks off because it's going to be priceless. Have your cameras at the ready. Uh, I'm very excited. Your um, film cameras. Your film cameras, yeah, absolutely. We'll, we'll accept digital. Yeah. We'll accept. We don't care. Um, uh, digital cameras will be smashed upon entry. <laughs> that's uh, listen. I don't make the rules. I guess if that's the rule, then that's the rule. Um, so yeah, yeah, it's less than a week now. Uh, hopefully, you've already got your tickets to the photography show. If you can come, um, you have until the eleventh to get the t- to use the code Sunny TPS twenty to get twenty percent off a single day ticket. Um, uh, as I mentioned, we will be there on the Saturday with the live podcast at the in the evening. If you are coming to the live podcast, you need to go to the events page on the Photography Show website. Wait half an hour for it to load up because they have managed to make the slowest website that I have come across in the year of our Lord 2020. I think it's running on, I don't know, um, AOL for something like that. Um, but it's spectacular. Yeah, it's running on the Pentium in their back office. Um, and get your free ticket to the Sunny, well, Sunny 19 podcast, but um, the Sunny 16 podcast. Uh, we really hope we will see you there. It's going to be great fun. There might even be some giveaways at the end as well. So stuff. Um, we're working on that. Maybe not a lot of stuff, but stuff to give away at the end. Um, and yeah, we're really looking forward to seeing you all there. Um, uh, it's going to be great fun. I think that's it. Uh Matthew, is there... Oh, I know what there is you need to tell people about. You were recently on another podcast, weren't you? Oh, yes. I was. I was re- <laughs> I was recently on uh, the Matt Loves Cameras podcast with the delightful Matt Murray from uh, Brisbane, Queensland, mm-hmm. Australia. And, um, yeah, we talked about uh, when we hung out uh, for a day last year in Brisbane, we... Um, had a bit of a photo walk and uh, ate a nice uh, rib sandwich. And, um, yeah, he nearly dropped my X-Pan. Well, that's not true, is it, Matthew? You gave him your X-Pan and you put a camera strap on it and you hadn't fitted the camera strap properly. <laughs> and you nearly <sighs> were responsible for smashing a camera and lens worth how much combined? Mm, yeah, a lot. 
gone ballpark it for me. If that had if that had uh, come undone, as it probably would have done because you hadn't put the camera strap on properly and that had smashed on the concrete, what would the current value of the um, Hasselblad X-Plan plus the 30mm lens, which I learned from that podcast, is quite a sought-after lens. What's the value of it? Uh, well, you wouldn't get one for less than $6,000. <laughs> Oof. Maybe get better at putting camera straps on. Um, so yes, I listened to it. It was a great show, as is always the case with Matt Loves Cameras, even when it has Matthew on it, especially yeah, when it has Matthew the, on it. It's the Matt, the Matt's, Matt's love cameras. Yeah, uh, and as we talked about, I think it was last week when um, Matt sent in his email, just grossly pimping his uh, panoramic competition. Um, that's ongoing, isn't it? Yes. Yeah, uh, I think at end of April that goes to. So yeah, you got your um piece of piece of crap plastic panorama camera with no battery or no meter and plastic lens and all that good stuff. Um, yeah, join in the the fun. We're gonna we're gonna judge the heck out of your photos. <laughs> you will be judged. Uh, that's awesome. I need to dig out mine. I and know. Then apparently. Apparently, he and I are going to be judged as well. Oh, Bagsy, by... Bagsy judging. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I would like to volunteer for, for judging why bother both. Why, why would I bother even entering there? Oh, you remember that um, Matt had me on his podcast and took up my time recording and then managed to ruin that and waste my time. <laughs> so he's already he's already in the firing line, regardless of his picture. So that'll be fine. Um, thank mm. you so much, so Matthew. I've got a slim chance. You're in with a chance. Yeah, absolutely. Um, thank you so much, Matthew, for doing this with me this week. Uh, listeners. We have got a hopefully great show coming up this week. Now, I'm sure it'll be a great show because on the Sunday 16 podcast this week, we are talking to the wonderful Brendan Barry. If you're not already following Brendan Barry on Instagram, you should because he does some pretty crazy stuff. I mean, you know, homemade cameras are great. 16 by 20 is great. Uh, Brendan's making cameras out of skyscrapers. So, you know... <laughs> Step and up cheese. to that. And cheese. And marrows. Phone and boxes. Phone boxes. So, as you can tell... It's going to be a fun conversation with Brendan. In fact, um, we're grabbing him tomorrow. We have been trying to get Brendan on the show for a long time. He is super busy. And tomorrow we're catching him. Apparently he's in a hotel because he's, he is in London in the day measuring up a skyscraper for a project. What? We'll find out. Um, but really, really looking forward to that. So that show will be out on Thursday. And backing paper... Who knows what's happening next weekend? <laughs> Don't be surprised if backing paper doesn't happen next weekend. But there will definitely be content coming out. And I'm sure Matthew will be nagging me to try and get some stuff for Instagram stories. So watch the socials. Watch what's going on. Uh, we will hopefully see you at the photography show next Saturday. But if not, we will be sharing as much of that with you as we can. Um, we will play you out, as always, with the wonderful remortgaging the nest of hairs by the fantastic band Schnauzer. Uh, until then, listeners, have a lovely week. Have a lovely week. You know you made that up and didn't read it because it was flawless. <laughs>